This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Shake Them Ropes, end of the year edition. I'm Jeff, he's Chris. Chris, are you the type of person to make resolutions? No, Shelton Benjamin's promo spoke to me on a deep, deep <laughs> level because I think that New Year's resolutions are complete and total garbage. Lies you tell yourself that you can then go and tell other people. I think they're good in theory. I, I think it's nice, you know, if you, okay, it's the beginning of the year, I can coordinate with a goal or something, but at the same time, I don't want it to feel bad if I don't achieve what I set out to do. And that's what I did for a number of years. And and look, and some of the ones, you know, when somebody goes, I'm going to try and be a better person in 2019, how about, why are you doing this on January 1st and not like back in December 15th? You could have started then. Why did, what, what did you do during those two weeks? Were, were you just the worst human on earth, you know, kicking babies and stuff? I, I, just, I just trying to get I'm, a running start into it. You know, you need yeah. to mentally prepare for the paradigm shift of going from being a shitbird <laughs> to being a good person. <laughs> this show is sponsored by Robin Hood. More on that later. Uh, also, our Patreon. Kids, if you have the dollar for the month, I would I would definitely join up and go and get the episode that Chris and I taped on Sunday. We did a live watch of World Class Championship Wrestling episode 317. Due to our love of Hollywood John Tatum, and it is, it is a fantastic episode, including my favorite, personal favorite part, the overdub of Quiet Riot for the Missing Link video. <laughs> I just love the Missing Link video, and you can see that screen grab up on patreon.com slash shake them ropes. Yeah, the watch along was a lot of fun. I anticipate that we'll do more. And from our Patreon subscribers, if you want to send us recommendations of things to do a watch along on, I- I'm down to take a listener recommendation. Oh, sure. I will take a risk on that because I just picked an episode here at random and watched it. Yeah, we're going to do them blind. So if you're expecting like kind of the deep contextual analysis, it's not going to be that. We're going to get in there and and try to figure out the mystery as we watch along. Look, if you're looking for Tony Schiavone behind the scenes stuff, that ain't us. But, you know, old school territory stuff, I will... I will rail on my hatred of Brian and Diaz all day. Yeah, we, we uh, have thoughts. We have thoughts on this old product. Yes, um, actually, I, I want to say something. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, no, well, I wanted to talk about Gene Okerlin. Uh, then the fact yes. that he, yeah, he passed over the week here. Um, mean Gene was awesome. Uh, there, there are very few voices in wrestling that I, I think are more iconic than Mean Gene, and I don't know that anyone has ever done backstage interviewer better than Mean Gene did because of the way that he he found a way to play straight man off of, particularly in that era of WWF, the really zany, very big personalities. He managed to be this 
very austere, very serious sporting presentation sort of guy. He had a gravitas about him, and it worked really great against Macho Man Randy Savage, and it worked really great with Hulk Hogan, and it worked, you know, as good as it could possibly work with the Ultimate Warrior, and of course, who could forget the gobbledygooker? To me, I, I came to him relatively late because I came... I, I didn't have him during his AWA run. I got him during WWF run. He epitomizes kind of that hucksterish quality of professional wrestling, the hype man, Carney Barker type thing. But I, I'm going I'm going to add a bit because I, I've heard that line of thought about straight man to these guys. Um, he is really the last of a lost art in terms of what a straight man should be in terms of comedy and in terms i'm gonna go a little bit into improv theory here kids because i used to teach this stuff and i i'm a very good straight man in improv and for me what i had to learn was half of that scene if if your partner's being this weirdo half of that scene is still yours and you can be an aggressive straight man not just a victim or or just a plain vanilla type person and that's what gene okerlund did so well was that he was actually in a scene doing an interview and pushing back on some of the things, like, say, a heel would say. If a heel made a bold proclamation that was ridiculous or something, Gene would call him out on it. And how it would help that character then is he'd have to, in character, have a response to what Gene Okerlund said. And it made those wrestlers and those personalities so much better to have a conversation with a person than just saying something wrote off of a script. And I think that, to me, you look, I love Charlie Caruso. I think Renee Young also does a fine job. But there's no interaction between character and interviewer anymore to help these guys develop characters the way that a guy like Gene Okerlund did. And that, for me, was his real strength. And when I finally got to, I mean, he did the same thing in the AWA. As well, when I finally got to see his old stuff, especially with like Heenan and Bockwinkle and, and those interviews were so good. He just he toned it down. He was a little bit more toned down in the AWA than he was in WWF where, you know, everything is kind of amped up to about a 12. But he was still doing those same basic things that you don't get anymore in terms of what the purpose of the interview is supposed to be. Yeah, you know, what me and Gene Okerlund brought and, and what is absent from Renee Young and Charlie Caruso and uh, the guy from NXT UK, just a- any of them in WWE, the way that they kind of do the backstage interviewer now, me and Gene Okerlund, he brought, quote-unquote, the voice of truth. So the yes. actual reality, that would be put in front of the heel, and the heel would be confronted with reality, and you would get, through that interaction with Mean Gene, the heel's skewed alternate heel version of reality, their alternative oh, facts. You are warming, you are warming my heart, because that's what I used to teach when I would teach straight absurd scenes. You are the voice of the audience. The audience is watching this ridiculous dude do whatever, you are their voice right now. Go be that. I yeah, no, that's what he was. I, I think I think there's a certain notion in the company itself that a guy like Gene Okerlund would was stealing too much focus from a from a character and thus diminishing the character when in fact what he was doing was he was making the character stronger. Yeah, I think there's even a perception inside the company of, well, the people will figure out what the truth is, and it's like, well, no, duh, but that's not the reason why you have, quote-unquote, the voice of truth character. 
there. They're not there to tell everyone what they already know. They're there to challenge the heel and develop out the heel, much like the straight man is there to develop out the absurd man. Yeah, and and it's one of those things where it's like in script writing, when you find you have too much expositional dialogue, it's like, no, just let the characters do their thing and it'll happen. They don't trust the audience to follow along, so it's just one of those... I'm here with so and so. What are your feelings right now? I'm like that's not a that's not a conversation. I I want like someone like especially someone like Charlie who has actual journalistic background. She used to work in news in Indianapolis. You know, where she could go, "Look, on this day you did this. Why did you do that?" And 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 don't you feel that that's a little bit a, that was a little bit over the line? You know, that's what I want to see from Here's from a the quote from here. you from three weeks ago, and she recites the quote back to yes. the heel, and then the heel says, I didn't say that, or says something, or explains what that really meant was, blah, 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 and you can hear the shifting story. There's a function yeah. to that that's more than just, quote, unquote, getting the audience to follow along. It's about developing out the heel. Like, I watched Charlie. She filled in this week on, on First Take. Not to take anything away from from the Gene Okerlund eulogy, because we'll go back to it. But you can tell she has chops to to press people on things, and and that's what they should let her do here. That's what they let Gene Okerlund do in the W. It's like, look, you guys are gonna do a three minute promo, go at it, and then Savage would go and find like a prop to to wrap his promo around because he was just trying to think on the fly. And 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 Gene would would call him on the things that he would do. That's all. That's all an improv scene is. That's all a promo is. Lance Russell used to do this as well. He departed us la- this past year. I mean, those are the last two guys who really would call people on their own crap. And that's what man, we I see. love. I love Gene and Macho. And my favorite yeah. promo of theirs that I posted this week is the beat goes on. I it, it, it's a great sort of example of how Gene Okerlund knew how to play the straight man because Macho's in there explaining how essentially he's turned heel and he's turned baby face and how he's had many personality shifts and it's all wrapped around Sonny and Cher's song The Beat Goes On and Gene is playing into it but still playing his part and letting Macho drive mm-hmm. the car it's a really great promo. It's a very funny promo, and uh, it's certainly one I'll always think of whenever I think of Gene Okerlund. You know, over the many, many years that I've covered professional wrestling, I have seen a lot of changes. A lot of changes in this great sport, and a lot of changes in a number of individuals in professional wrestling. In the World Wrestling Federation, here is a man that has not only turned it around 180 degrees, 180 degrees. but he's gone another 360 and then 360. and then another 180. Macho man, Randy Savage. You have changed over the past couple of months like I can not believe, sir. I'm a chameleon, yeah. A chameleon? Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm talking about the beat goes on, yeah. And the beat goes on, yeah. And the beat goes on. And the video scope, yeah, I am looking right into you right now. Macho madness right now. Sugar is sweet and so is honey. Macho madness is on a roll and it can't be stopped. No, Elizabeth understands what I'm talking about, yeah. What, uh-huh. what, why is it, Macho Man, when I sit and talk to you, stand and talk to you for that matter, that I think of 
old Sonny and Cher hits. Why is that? Unbelievable. Time distortion. Space is the place me and Gene Okerlund go down that lonesome highway. Yeah, but don't be hypnotized, no. Reincarnation doesn't have to be. You can concentrate and you can uh, mental but, telepathy. But, yeah, but the beat goes on. But the beat goes on. Can I ask a question, Macho Man? No more questions. I'm sorry about that. Macho Man Randy Savage. Look, I, I think one of the reasons we remember the... Uh, the times where he broke character, like when he dropped the F-bomb, or I think <laughs> like the put out the cigarette. Rick Flair, you have made world... Put that cigarette out. You have made World Wrestling Federation history here tonight. Which is off the cuff. Is he was so centered in his character so often that it was it was legit hilarious when he'd break character at the same time and have to and have to kind of recompose himself that that's the beauty of a great professional is that when they're not so professional they're just as entertaining so th- i'm going to go to something current before we go into kind of our year in review and that is i am somewhat troubled and and we've gotten into this a little bit over the past couple shows over the presentation of Seth Rollins and AJ Styles and and for me my issue is that with the loss of Roman Reigns, which is a big story in 2018, that the McMahons feel that good guys, straight ahead good guys that have friends that do things the right way, that work hard, that, that you know, just persevere, nose to the grindstone type of guys, just aren't good enough. They need to have a bit of an edge. And who's the guys who are going to give them edges? Why, it's the McMahon family. You know, it's... <laughs> you know, it, it, it's Triple H, it's Vince McMahon, and this has been a big problem with Vince McMahon in, in, in framing guys, because he always frames the A guy, or the guy that they're doing, through his own prism of what he thinks he himself is. You know, so so if he's an alpha male, he's an alpha male. If he's a ladies' man, he's a ladies' man. And this is kind of the thing that they give to the number two guy. It's the, oh, I need I need to make you more edgy because you're not the number one guy. I need you to be but ruthlessly let's aggressive. Edgy. Yeah, let's unpack edgy a little bit more because edgy usually kind of cashes out to be mildly sociopathic. Yes. Like, you can't get along with anyone anymore. You're kind of always angry and on edge. Not like edgy as in cool, like, oh, man, that guy will just say anything. He'll speak truth to power. It's like edgy as in, don't come near me or I'll punch you, man. Don't come near me. Like It's that kind of edgy, and it's... I don't, I, I don't find it appealing. I, I think that's not a trait I consider to be an admirable one that one would strive towards. I think, well, it, it's not even that. I mean, it's, it's a more sociopathic way in terms of, well, you know how you make it successfully. You don't need friends in a support group or something like that. What you do is you make friends with people, and then at the right time where it's good enough for you, you stab them in the back. And you know what? Screw your friends. You know, you can make money or you can make friends in this business. You know, you don't need to be nice on the way up because you're not coming back down type of thing. You know, <laughs> look at me. Look what I did. I'm a self-made man. And I did it by screwing over all the partners in the NWA. Blah, blah, blah. You know, it, it's that kind of BS thing where it's like they don't need that edge. They don't need to be turned into assholes. 
uh, for oh, pardon my French, because you know I hate swearing on this show, but it, it's one of those things where it's like they don't need that kind of edge. But that's the they term just... for what the what Vince wants this type of baby face to be, and but it's not an asshole like Stone Cold Steve Austin. He was an asshole, right? But, like, he was doing that towards a greater good and was not afraid to be a dick to get ahead, and his cause was just because he was legitimately getting screwed. That's the other part that's missing here from AJ and Seth, right? There, There isn't, like, a just cause. Like, they haven't been screwed. It's just Vince and Hunter want them to be a little more psychotic. Well, here's here's the other thing, and it plays well into the point you just made about Steve Austin. Steve Austin was fighting the corporation and the powers that be. This is our two baby faces getting advice from the same corporation that they have. This is what they have to do to be good corporate employees. And you're like, that's not a that's not a fun story to follow. How to be the biggest? I'm going to be a good employee. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Who doesn't want to cheer for that? Who doesn't want to cheer for the employee of the month who comes in on time and stays late just because he wants to make a good impression? Who doesn't want to cheer for that guy every day? Yeah, and so then there's two there's two ends to that storyline. Either that employee goes in, works hard, and gets rewarded, which a lot of people can't relate with because that's not the experience they're living in their own life, or that employee goes in, works hard, and then doesn't get rewarded. And yeah. that is also not a great babyface storyline. And if he gets rewarded, he's part of the authority all of a right. sudden. Right, he's the man. It's, it's the most ridiculous thing. I'm watching this going... Okay, I get that that this is a McMahon reclamation project in terms of we're now the good guys. We bring you all this entertainment. But do they not see that as that oh man, slapping Vince McMahon is both uncomfortable and why is Vince a part of this and why is he saying these things with that stupid growling voice of you need to go out there and grab the brass ring. I want to see the animal inside AJ. H- have you watched AJ Styles matches this past year? problem hasn't been his his aggression. The problem's been you've had people kicking him in the balls every week. That's that's not the problem. His matches are fantastic. It's 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 the creative that stinks. And then Seth Rollins getting dressed down. And look, I think Hunter did a better job because he parlayed the the angle that he did with Seth. Oh, you kicked my my ass. Okay, great. But it's still Uncle Triple H out here. With with you know this is my project and I'm gonna see this through. It's 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 that whole mania four way McMahon in every corner storyline that just it's like ah uh, get out of the way and let these guys be the guys. Yeah, uh, but that just kind of involves a broader conception of how the backstage universe is gonna work, which I don't think is gonna change here in 2019. You want to continue with our recap of 2018? Well, we will in, in a sec. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, let, let's uh, let's take some time out here. Thank our sponsors at Robinhood. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, cryptos, all commission-free. They strive to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy. It's simple and intuitive. Clear design with data presented in an easy-to-digest way. Both Chris and I use this. Chris has been using it for far longer than since they've been a sponsor. I'm going to let Chris make the, make you know, give you all the information. 
Absolutely. So Robinhood is an app. You can download it onto your phone. You can download it onto your tablet, or you can also use it on your browser. I actually use it interchangeably on all three. I find that the tablet is sometimes easier to go through and sift through information, but the mobile app is nice because if I'm on the go and, I don't know, I see a headline on, let's say, CNBC or Bloomberg or wherever, and I want to action on that, I can pull out my phone and I can make a trade quickly I, you can make a trade in 30 seconds or so on under a minute easily and it, it is all commission free so if you want to go in and buy a couple of shares you can do that with other services it's not really it's possible to do that but it's not necessarily practical to do that because the transaction fees make it such that you don't ever realize any gains even if you realize gains so with robin hood you can start and build a portfolio on a smaller scale and we actually have a great offer specific to the show here to help you get started jeff yeah i'll, I'll get to that and say i really like the design and ease of use for me because sure like if you turn on like a, a, a channel with a lot of stock and a business channel and it's like all these tickers running and charts and i looked at that the first time i ever really wanted to start learning about stocks and business and i was just so intimidated by it and, and if they had had Robin Hood when I was young, which was a couple decades ago, now that I think about it, you know, it would have been so much easier for me to get in the market on my own as opposed to having to have like a financial advisor, you know, explain all these things to me. But if you want to learn like I have, and as Chris, Chris is just, you know, making moves all over the place, they're giving listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. Sign up at shake.robinhood.com. That's shake.robinhood.com. Get your free stock. Start building your portfolio. And uh, they'll let them know that we sent you there. Okay. This one, this yet again, another one-week push for Apollo Crews. I'm going to tie that into it, and then we'll go into 2008. Sure. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. It was another Jim Neidhart sunglasses moment where you have exactly... 15 minutes to get any emotional resonance out of this move they made in the old days when you had four pay-per-views a year you could do something like this fresh start battle royal where you only have three guys who can really win it get a character like an apollo cruise and put him over and then build to that big match for the ic title in a few weeks or a few months and then he can lose and he'd still be a guy because he lost valiantly. Here he wins the Battle Royal, has a great match against Dean Ambrose, probably my favorite of his matches, even from NXT days. I, I really liked this match a lot. But it gives him absolutely no heft after this to just have him lose an hour later because it's on to next week with three more hours of content. I was. It's not livid. just that he lost; it's how he lost, and the fact that Ambrose didn't really cheat or really screw him over in any serious way going into the finish. I, I have, have 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 Apollo win by DQ. You know, don't or have him win by countout. Have, have Dean not yes. want to have Dean losing the match, and Apollo like oh. sends him to the outside, and then Dean doesn't want to get back into the ring. But th- there's all these heel elements, and and that actually kind of brings me to a broader point about what are they doing with. Dean Ambrose now, where he has been ramped down, and so now his character is really kind of, um, it's weak, 
right now. Uh, it's not as goofy. Uh, we're, we're not dealing with the zaniness, but we seem to be easing off of the Renee stuff a little bit. And the promo this week was a little more subdued than other promos. And he doesn't have the gear and he's not wearing the gas mask anymore. He's just got the kind of Bane-ish jacket. Like, we, we've got a lot less of Bane Ambrose now. I think that's more or less a positive. Cult, that's cult probably a net Dean positive. Yeah, cult leader Dean wasn't doing much for me. Um, and they hit the reveal on that too quick with the Seth Rollins in, in, in disguise saying that everybody could see a mile away. Um, yeah, I, I'm fine with this. I, I, let, let's talk 2018 since, since this is the end and we'll get, we're going to be on the road to Royal Rumble soon enough. Um, do you want to do best of, or do you just want to do the news stories first here? I'll give Let's do the news stories first and then we can get into best ofs. Okay. I had 11 major stories coming out of 2018. You can, this is no particular order really. Um, the TV rights thing, I think, was was major, especially getting on Big Boy Fox. Even though right now, Friday nights, Big Boy Fox don't need them. They don't because they got uh, Last Man Standing. But they want a more sports-oriented product in October 2019. We're going to see what they get. Well, this was very important for the company in terms of financial health, right? Like the stock price got up to $100 or right around $100 earlier this year or, or in 2018. Um, obviously, it's come down from that point. But that that was such great heights from a stock that had typically hung around $18 a share somewhere. The initial spike when they launched the network was 30 So this this deal really did transform the company. Um, I, I think it's going to create new pressures on the company to uh, be a ratings draw and that might be that might be tricky for Vince going into 2019 and beyond and, and this uh, this may be catching the tiger the by the tail on his plate. yeah right he's not right. gonna have all that time to do, and uh, you know what I think they want a WWE product but I think Fox wants to make some tweaks and I don't know if Vince does tweaks very well Let's no, I, I don't. So this is a little bit of, uh, I think, the dog that caught the parked car. This seems like a, it seems like a good thing. And obviously, in terms of money, if, if you're just looking at it as money, yes. But is this a great marriage? That remains to be seen. Two, speaking of money, two Saudi <laughs> Arabia great marriages. shows. Um, <clears throat> both both uh, not without controversy. Both shows, to me, were very underwhelming. But... Uh, you know, that Saudi Arabia deal is bringing in a lot of cash. Yeah, this is, uh, I mean, certainly at the beginning of the year, there was a certain level of criticism that was already present for the Saudi Arabia deal. Um, they, they did this sort of explicitly for the cash and kind of turning a blind eye to many things that have been known about the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And as we got into the second Saudi Arabia show here, obviously the murder of Jamal Khashoggi uh, has cast a real dark cloud over this Saudi Arabia relationship between WWE. And I, I, I don't know. It, it's kind of, I, I'm, it makes me uncomfortable. I, I, I know you're at a different place on this, but I, I, I find the relationship with them, particularly the skit with Arya Davari that was clearly pro-Saudi, anti-Iranian. Yeah. That one, that, no, that, that one I'm not ambivalent about. That thing was the most tone-deaf thing I've ever seen, I yeah. think, in WWE. And I've seen a lot of tone-deaf stuff from this company. But to go overseas and do that... They were Arya Davari received that. death threats. Those people in that company 
were lucky to be able to be allowed to leave after that, in in my opinion. But Roman Reigns le- left after a, after a reoccurrence of his leukemia. Big story in terms of the actual direction of the company because now you're kind of trying to have to build new alphas where they don't see a lot of guys as alphas in this company. Yeah, and this was always a concern with the all-in on Roman Reigns approach that this company had. What what was WWE going to do if Roman Reigns sustained a Paul George-like in- injury to his leg, right? I, I mean, if he had a really bad blowout and that sent him all on the shelf for a year and a half or something like that, what was the game plan? You have all of this marketing built singularly around this character and and now we're seeing this company as we sort of opened up with really struggling to find other baby faces that you can get as much fire behind uh you know it's it's nice to have john cena back but you know cena's doing his own things now and uh, i mean that's a whole thing in and of itself I, i mean if anything like becky lynch is the person that they have kind of the most suction on but this company's still having a hard time Figuring out what does an all-in marketing push look like behind a female talent? I, I'm laugh. I'm laughing at the uh, at the Paul George comment. Oh, oh, playoff P, who can never hit a big shot in the playoffs. Hey, he is having a great season this year, but we'll see what he happens won't do in, the anything in the postseason. Won't we'll do see. Anything in the postseason. We'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, Daniel Bryan cleared to return, and the way they framed his return could not be called anything other than underwhelming. And and especially in light of the last story we just talked about, Roman Reigns leaving with leukemia and this huge void of top-level baby faces, here comes returning hero Daniel Bryan with a tailor-made medical recovery story after medical tragedy story. It would be so easy. It was so easy. And yet. They dropped the ball in the Miz feud. They teamed him with Shane against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, and they didn't have anything else for him, so he and buried him in the mid card. Yeah, and then they turned him heel. And the new Daniel Bryan, I, I, it's certainly being received net positively. Uh, so that's good. But man, opportunity missed when you need a top level babyface, and you have one who has had an entire WrestleMania built around him. Ronda Rousey goes from UFC to the WWE, pretty big in terms of uh, the, the uh, corporate landscape of WWE. Um, and Ronda Rousey, to me, um, has been fantastic in terms of her in-ring stuff. She Look, I, I was the first one to criticize you know some of the acting stuff and her gear. Those were my two, but her actual in-ring things during the big matches always came through. The week-to-week stuff sometimes was rough, but when it came, but when the spotlight was on, I think Ronda Rousey has been a pretty darn good pickup. I don't know how long she's going to be interested in WWE. I think they need to work on, you know, the oh gosh, I'm just so happy to be here. To angry, you know, person. I, I, I think she's going to eventually have to have a heel turn here because I think that's her natural go-to. But overall, there's very little to complain about about the signing of Ronda Rousey. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that this signing is going better than expected. Honestly, I, I thought that there was going to be a little bit more of a learning curve, and, and there's still a bit of an adjustment in terms of what you were talking about. But her getting in ring, I, I've just I've been very impressed by it. Brock as a special attraction, um, I am fine with this. I know a lot of people complain about it, 
My only beef with this was them trying to frame this as Brock not being dedicated to the company, which again makes the company the central character in a feud that I don't want. But I have no problem with keeping the world champ off of TV and making his matches special when you get to see that. Yeah, so my issue with making Brock a special attraction is that the Brock Lesnar World Championship match doesn't feel special to me anymore. So, oh, really? yeah, yeah, no. Uh, I, I, it's it's stale at this point. Um, so I, I actually, if, if Brock was just coming back occasionally and having feuds with people, and we were building to a big old Brock match uh, built around something specific, I actually think that'd be more interesting. And, and particularly as this company needs to rebuild Raw, specifically not having a world champion to move storylines through to build that top babyface, I think it's a real anchor, and I think that it's been a mistake keeping the belt on him. Uh, the ascent of Becky Lynch in the second half of uh, 2018, I think, has been pretty darn fantastic. It, you know, I kind of frame it through the same lens as, yeah, but they also cooled off Bailey and Sasha, who really, really are two of the roster's better workers. But, and look, they had some stumbles on this whole Becky Lynch thing. We didn't know if she was a face or a heel. They couldn't decide if she was a face or a heel. The people They've forced kind of, the issue. Uh, they, they've yeah, the people force the issue, and they've kind of I think got a decent handling of the character. I won't say it's perfect, because I still think there there are times where Becky comes off a bit too cutesy, and there's a few times where you know they want that where her playing off of Charlotte doesn't jive necessarily, but for the most part, I think Becky Lynch getting her moment after. You know, when she's never really had it on the main roster other than that triple threat for Mania, which was more of a Sasha uh, Charlotte type of feud with Becky thrown in. I- I'm I'm very happy over this. Yeah, yeah. No, her, her rise has been great. I think she's a better promo now. Uh, I think she's really found her voice on the microphone this year, and that that's the. She's real... found her voice on Twitter because she just oh, boy. destroyed Corey Graves. Oh boy, today. she's she that, that destroyed feud. him. <laughs> I I didn't put it for feud of the year because you can't count Twitter, but boy, that is that is one of the great Twitter feuds, one of the great all time Twitter Lord. feuds. It's so fun. I'm like every every WWE superstar should just delete their Twitter account, lest Becky turn her attention to you, because you too will be sussed. Oh. Uh, Golly. Um, speaking of the women, the Evolution pay-per-view, not the framing I wanted it in, but it is a big deal for the women to be able to do it. I think it over-delivered in many ways. I just feel my my big concern is it's going to become like a Hell in the Cell or a TLC, or it's this is the time where you have to do a women's pay-per-view. Let's put the focus on them as opposed to, you know, kind of peppering it up a bit. Um I think overall it's been a positive in that now, you know, women are main eventing regular pay-per-views. Pretty soon, sooner than maybe later, depending on if they can strengthen up this roster to having a lot of strong characters, and that's a huge if for them, this pay-per-view may no longer be necessary. Yeah, or, you know, I mean, if they choose to make a women brand, then you can maybe have kind of like uh, evolutions could function like takeovers. You have four of them a year. Uh, and they could be special in that way too. Uh, I, I I kind of I like that idea as well. I, I it's it's certainly a step in the right direction, and and I applaud that. We had the return of Hulk Hogan and the in-ring return of HBK. I don't care about Hulk Hogan. I don't think. I mean, I think he's a big part of their history, but I don't think he needs to be a major part of the WWE anymore. 
Yeah, back that it was network, it was a put weird back in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it was a weird unnecessary um news story for WWE because I he's I don't think the returns on yeah, Hogan are very much. He's not contrite. He has he he has not given a formal apology for what he did. He's still kind of a sociopath in that way. It's all about him. You know what? If this is going to be him, you know what? You don't need him. And, him, and you don't know what his. you're going to get next from him. I think that's the other part. Yeah. It's the fact that he's not contrite is sort of illustrative of the other problem of you don't know if he's going to say or do another thing that you might go, oh, do we really want him in the Hall of Fame? Well, it's like, going to be about yeah. Hogan. Right. It's not going to be about it's not going to be about the company. It's not going to be Look, he has a place in WWE history. I don't think you should deny him that. I just don't think you don't, you also You don't need him as a brand ambassador. In the future. Yeah, you right. don't need him as a brand ambassador. Yeah. Um and and it was sad to me watching watching uh Shawn Michaels in that match with Triple H at the uh, second Saudi Arabia show. That was that was against Kane and the Undertaker. That was a match in slow motion. That was like seniors doubles tennis. It just it was not good, and I don't think that's a standard he wanted to set, and I think that's the last we're going to see of him because he does hold himself to a very high standard. Yeah, it's a shame, but uh, it's a shame that that was his last match, and it was that pairing and that storyline because all of it was uh, not very good. We may see him again for a Daniel Bryan match. I, I think that may... And see, now, now that, 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 that the new Daniel Bryan is heel... That actually brings HBK back as the sympathetic baby face and everything. That actually could be a fun little story. That could be fun. Um, NXT remains strong with the signings of both Ricochet and Matt Riddle. I'll throw in Keith Lee as well. I thought he was a very, and, you know, Kyrie Sane and others. But Ricochet and Matt Riddle were both very big signings for, for the company. Um, and with this all elite wrestling going into full-time overdrive, the, the the indies and your major players are going to be picking companies. I, I don't think that it, it's just going to be, will these indies let, or will these companies let them work, you know, your PWGs, your AIWs, your Defies, etc. I think Ricochet was, was, a, was a coup. I, I'm, I'm not sure where they're going to put them on a main roster if they are. But I'm fine with him being in, in NXT and just wowing us for a few years, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about Ricochet specifically. I think Ricochet really gets to what you're talking about. It was a major coup because it single-handedly killed Lucha Underground. Yes. Uh, yeah, Lucha this is Underground. Real house. Yeah, yeah, Lucha Underground, you know, season three here, I, I tapped out. I, I just couldn't keep doing it, and, and that was in no small part due to the talent raid. You lost Rey Mysterio, which hasn't necessarily been like a premier piece of SmackDown, but he was important on Lucha Underground as a character. He was mentoring El Dragon Aztec, and he also mentored Ricochet, uh, who was Prince Puma, and he was really the star of of Lucha Underground, so to not have the Puma character anymore force that company to try to put it all on a Pentagon, which they did too late. So, I mean, what I'm saying is that the Ricochet pickup already has paid dividends for WWE in the sense that it killed whatever remaining interest was in Lucha Underground pretty much 
Cage dead. Now, there are some other self-inflicted wounds, the New Temple and other things with Lucha Underground. Those didn't help the product as well. Some bad booking choices, bad pushing choices. But uh, not having Prince Puma to turn in those great matches really, really hurt. And, oh, by the way, Ricochet had a bunch of great matches in NXT this year. Yeah, I've, I've said my piece on the Matt Riddle signing. I... A lot of people are over overhyping Riddle, I think, in terms of him being the man. And I only say that in terms of the prism of how Vince views people. Matt Riddle used to do stuff over at Fightful. I still have contacts over there who can get in contact with him. If he meets Vince McMahon and Vince McMahon thinks he's just some dumb Jeff Spicoli from Fast Times at Ridgemont High type guy who just wants to get high... I think Matt Riddle should break Vince's arm the first time he meets him, and then that'll establish him as a tough guy. Because that's my fear is that is that Vince is gonna look at him and go, "This guy's just a just a slacker and and whatever." I, I think I I I worry about his perception. I mean, and he's he's kind of playing into it in NXT, and I'm kind of like I'm a little I'm a little fearful, Chris. I am. I, I like Matt Riddle a lot. I got to meet him at that. Uh, Evolve show in Dallas, got to talk to him a bit. Nicest guy you could meet. But at the same time, when you're dealing with Mr. Alpha Male, and give me a strong handshake there, brother, look into my eyes and tell me you want this, and Matt Riddle's kind of a laid-back dude, I, I, think, I think the people who are saying, oh, he's a main eventer, definitely, I think they need to slow their roll a little. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Uh, the character as currently constructed isn't. Um, I, I actually think that he can have some of that laid-back surfer vibe, but it, right now he's at like an eight with the sandals and the zaniness yeah. and the Dr. Dre and everything. In-ring, in-ring absolute badass. Yeah, yeah, absolute yeah. badass. And he can have a few broish moments when he's wrestling. Yeah. Um, what what I think is happening a little too much is, oh man, he just likes to have fun, and he just likes to have fun is the kiss. He's of here death to entertain. The... Yeah, like he... heavy machinery. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. And finally, the last story of note, in my opinion, was uh, the ratings falling and the McMahon's returning. And I've we've gone into that plenty. Uh, any other stories? From that uh, you can think of offhand. No, no. I, I mean, with the McMahon's return, yeah, we've hit that. With the ratings falling, I, I think what's notable here is that Raw put out three really bad shows in a row uh, at, at the tail end of November going into December here. And, yeah, they, they were notably bad. I, I've been watching the product for a long time uh, in, in this particular run of me watching the product. And uh, I... Not a lot surprises me, but I was surprised with how bad those episodes were. And now, because this was fun and on your part, um, I'm going to do this extemporaneously, but uh, we have some superlatives for the year 2018. Yeah, yeah, we got awards. So uh, Hawkins was like, hey, come up with like some awards, and I'm really bad at that, but I, but I went ahead and did it. So I started with Wrestler of the Year, and my Wrestler of the Year is Becky Lynch. I think that Becky managed to capture the public attention um she she's found a character that fans are connecting with even though we've talked about there's still some issues in finding the voice of that character but she's an improved promo she's having great matches her look is more serious now it's a main event look and she's someone who can very comfortably main event a show now and if you said that a Becky Lynch match was at the top of the card uh I, I wouldn't bat an eye at it I go I, I'm looking forward to it she she's great. Um, 
Since this is across all brands, I am going to go with Johnny Gargano. I know that there are a lot of people in the Voices family who will roll their eyes at this because, you know, because they find the whole Gargano-Champa story went on a little bit too long. But I think for that first half of the year, those matches with Champa and the match with uh, Cian Almas, Johnny Gargano was NXT. This heel turn, I think... I wasn't the biggest proponent of it. I, I think when you have a white hot baby face, you keep him white hot, but uh, it's at least been interesting. And so that would be my, my choice for, for MVP. Cause I, I really don't have one on the main roster other than maybe Becky and, I, and maybe Brock. Cause he's at least every feud he comes into, it's at least a big time thing. He's not there week to week to kind of sully his, his image. But uh, for me, it's, it's Johnny Gargano. Uh, my honorable mention in this category is Pete Dunn. I, I think that this is just an easy one oh, yeah. to always mention because yeah. Dunn always has good matches all the time. It's just we've become desensitized to just the consistent baseline of quality matches that Pete Dunn turns in I in think many just different the position styles. He's in the yeah. position he was in has made us forget how great he was i yeah i mean i had forgotten about that off the cuff i think it I also mean, allows every... him the time uh, the match space to have those great matches that we like though so it, it's kind of you know yes he doesn't get featured as highly but we the viewers get the matches that we want and that's part of why those done matches are so good but i would love to see more people appreciating just how good this guy is well just to expound on that just a little bit he he's always in a prominent role on nxt us and he's the most prominent thing on NXT UK. So, I mean, I may have to change my answer to Pete Dunne. I think I think that's a good choice as well. Uh, next one. Feud of the year. So, I went with Tommaso and Johnny uh, because this feud has managed to cross the line twice with me over the course of the year. Uh, I thought it overstayed its welcome. And then more recent chapters of the Tommaso and Johnny feud, uh, actually the Johnny heel turn, which I was initially against as well, has gotten very interesting. There's a lot of very interesting wrinkles. Uh, we, we didn't talk about the Tommaso Ciampa promo um, on the last episode of NXT, but we're getting into that Tommaso screwing with Johnny's mind and kind of twisting Johnny's thoughts, and there's more mileage in this feud than I would have anticipated, and and because of that, uh, not because I was always locked in every moment of the year, but because they managed to kind of turn the corner, at least with me, I gave them feud of the year. Uh, I'm going to agree with that because it's the only feud that's been worth a damn all year, other than maybe Pete Dunne in the Undisputed Era. Um, I, <laughs> I, I, let me tell you the one little twist in Champa that I love. I love that he calls the belt Goldie. He's given it a characterization as if it's his own character on NXT. I absolutely love that. Yeah, no, this, there's a lot to enjoy with this heel Tommaso Champa character for certain. Uh, yeah. 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 Next is Tag Team of the Year. Uh, for me, this was the Undisputed Era pretty easily. Um, there are other teams. Like, you know, the authors are very good. Unfortunately, the authors kind of floundered on the main roster here. There are a number of acts that I like, but the Undisputed Era had all the really good tag team matches. There's no doubt that the Undisputed Era is the best tag team, probably in any federation other than maybe Phoenix and Pentagon Jr., in, in my estimation. And you know what? A lot of it is because of the tag teams they went up against. The Danny Birch Oni Lorkin match was over over delivered when everybody thought it was kind of like, well, that's a weird pairing to have. The Mustache Mountain feud was great as well, so I don't want to shade those two teams at all. 
but but the undisputed era, especially with Roddy turning and joining and filling in for Fish. Um, he and O'Reilly have been just spectacular this year. Yeah, I, I looking back at that, I had forgotten how much I really liked the Mustache Mountain match. I, I thought that the Undisputed yeah. Era, that, that knee spot was really, really good. It just it's very, very good tag matches. Show of the year, I went with TakeOver Brooklyn. I, I just thought that there was... A lot of really good stuff on TakeOver Brooklyn. I, I need to get up the card here to remember what exactly it was that I was keyed in on, but I, I did go through all of the TakeOvers. Do you remember what was on TakeOver Brooklyn off the top of your head? You probably do. You're good like that. Um, I, I don't because it's the one TakeOver I didn't go to this year. Okay. <laughs> other, than, other than TakeOver Chicago. But um, I'll, I'll let you uh, do that while I vamp a bit. I'm going to split this into two because I think, I think this also, this deserves a – Main roster show and an NXT show. Sure. Main roster, I'm going to say the Royal Rumble. I think the Royal Rumble over-delivered in many ways. It was one of the best-booked men's rumbles in a long time, and I think the women's rumble did a great service to the women's division. I thought it was almost executed perfectly. Um, and and the singles matches weren't bad. They weren't great. It, it's, not, it's not like an all-time pay-per-view like, say, Great American Bash 88 or 87. I can't remember which one that everybody thinks of as per- a perfect NWA pay-per-view. But it, it's still, I mean, for a main roster one, it I really had a blast at Rumble. And then my NXT, I liked, I loved NXT New Orleans. I loved TakeOver New Orleans so much. Um, they almost killed Ricochet on his first match in the company. Um, <laughs> the latter match. The tag team match, I mean, just it was such a great, fantastic card and a great audience to be in. Um, I enjoyed the three takeovers I went to. They were all spectacular. Um, so if you want to pick Brooklyn or Chicago as well, I mean, there, there's no bad choice in a takeover. This yeah, it, it was a real toss-up, and now I'm like looking at this, I'm like, am I sure that I meant Brooklyn when I typed this out? But, I, you know, honestly, dude, all the takeovers were pretty damn good this year. The reason I gave New Orleans a little bit more of a rub is because of just the mis- mixed match of styles in that ladder match with the EC3, Velveteen Dream, um, Adam Cole. I mean, and all those guys gelled and and almost killed each other, and it was beautiful. I also really liked War Games, too, though. I, I, I really like yeah. Tommaso Ciampa versus the Velveteen Dream. I, I, I thought it was a very important match. That actually kind of gets me into my next one here. Most improved wrestler of the year, Velveteen Dream. I, I think that he, from where he was at the beginning of 2018 to where he is now as really a completed character. It, I mean, he was sort of doing a bit of Dave Chappelle doing Prince Enric James uh, with a little sprinkle of Jimi Hendrix in there. And, and now the Velveteen Dream is much, much more than that. And and Meshach Taylor and Mannequin. Come the, on, give the, it to me. The, the, <laughs> all right, all right, all right. I'm with you on that. But uh, n- now he's a lot more than that. And, and actually the match against Tommaso Ciampa and also the match against EC3, they, they're both really important. Um, the EC3 match was not like the greatest match in the world, but it started establishing the babyface fire component of the 
Velveteen Dream character. And then in this match against Tommaso Ciampa, I, I thought that Velveteen Dream, by using all of the classic wrestling sequences uh, from the old WWF wrestlers circa 1991, uh Invoking all of those, referencing all of those, established the Velveteen Dream character in, in sort of that pantheon of upper-level, higher-echelon wrestlers. And, and I just thought that this was great, and I, I think he made great leaps this year. My choice, I mean, I'm not going to pick Ronda Rousey because I think that's an unfair choice. Um, but I am going to pick Shayna Baszler, um, mostly because I watched Shayna Baszler in her first few matches. And as she was going up through the shimmers and I thought, okay, she has the athleticism. She has somewhat of a character, but it's kind of a flat character. And then when she got to this NXT, uh, at first I was kind of skeptical. I thought they were giving her too much eye makeup, to be honest with you, in terms of her persona, in terms of being, you know, too much makeup for, for a girl like Shayna Baszler. But boy, she is the best heel champion they've had. Um, I'd even might even include Oscar, but that was mostly characterization of Oscar. That was that was a bit of a problem from time to time. Uh, but Shayna Baszler, as a badass, as a threat, as a bully type champion, I and watching her matches and how they've gelled. Um, look, she's in there with some some high high caliber talent. Don't get me wrong, Kyrie Sane. Uh, is top three in the world, um, you know. Uh, I and and also with Ember Moon, I think I think the two of them clicked quite well as, as well with a lot of their stunts, especially in in that uh, Philadelphia match more more so than the uh, more more so than the other one. But I I I think Shayna Baszler has just really improved and really taken this opportunity and and given it her all for all it's worth and my honorable mention on most improved is actually ronda rousey i I think you and i probably are in agreement in that uh if if you weren't going to put ronda as your number one i I, ronda's ronda's gotten better nothing is hard right well yeah no to go from like nothing to being a very good wrestler relatively quickly i mean it's it's not quite like Kurt Angle level, but the fact that you're even kind of trying to calibrate. It's close. Yeah, no, you're calibrating against Kurt Angle, which says a lot. That is our year in review. Most of you will probably be listening to this after having watched 20 hours of Wrestle Kingdom. So enjoy. I always recommend watching Wrestle Kingdom. It is New Japan's WrestleMania. It is for the past few years, always been a fantastic show. And if you've never done it uh, live, yeah, do it live. You got to do it on. I tw- can't do it. Live. Oh man, it's so fun. Especially, I, I remember one year they had this very, very bizarre halftime show with like these people in animal suits, and especially when it's like three in the morning and you're a little mentally silly at that point. Wrestle Kingdom's a spectacle. I I love Wrestle Kingdom. I I just adore it, and I'm super pumped for this show. Jeff's got to go to the shoot job in the morning, so Daddy can't stay up late to watch the good Japanese wrestling but Mm. uh chris let the people know where they can find you you can find me at c-h-r-i-s-n-o-v-e-m-b-r-i-n-o on twitter my other show is don't worry about the government which you can find at don't worry.tv the other other show the all in the family podcast will be back soon and you can find that at the all in the family podcast.com go to our patreon patreon.com slash shake them ropes all one word join us in our fun and mostly self-indulgent side projects. Uh, 
I'd like to thank Robin Hood again, shake.robinhood.com. I'm Jeff. You can follow me at crapgame13. You can follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. Enjoy Wrestle Kingdom. Maybe we'll geek out a little bit to it next week if we have time. Get your good New Japan. See you next week. Tessa, what I'm going to do, I promise I love you so much. I wrote you a little poem, Tessa, and I memorized it. Roses are red, violets are blue. Tessa, I love you. I love you, baby. Come back to me. I'm going to beat you to death next week, Bill Dundee.